Welcome to the StatMed Podcast, where we teach you how to study in med school and how to pass board-style exams. Your host is Ryan Orwig, a learning specialist who has over a decade of experience working with med students and physicians. In this episode, Ryan and Mike, a former StatMed class participant, discuss the challenges of learning in lecture as a med student with ADHD. And so once you know the structure of it, you can listen to one you know it's coming and so it's much easier to listen for the things that are coming and you know the information's coming so you're already familiar with it and so it's much easier to stay engaged because you know it you know what they're going to talk about you you have basically a cheat sheet of the lecture before you even get into it Today, we're going to talk about a series of issues med students with ADHD might experience in the classroom learning years. What I mean by that is like during the didactic phase of lecture-based learning, usually those first two years. I'm Ryan Orwig, the learning specialist who created StatMed Learning, where we help med students, physicians, and those in related fields with studying, time management, and test-taking. I probably know more medical professionals with ADHD than anybody in the country. And I'm here with one of them right now, my friend, Dr. Mike. Hey, I'm Dr. Mike. I went through Ryan's program and have failed first year of med school. I failed board multiple times. Um, I was diagnosed with ADD my first year of med school. And this is kind of the journey through some of the issues we dealt with. And did you say where you are now? Uh, in your career, Mike? Um, I'm an ER physician in Florida. So anyway, so if you want to hear more about Mike's story, check out our two-part interview with him. You can find that in our feed. So number one, the first issue we want to talk about with med students during those didactic years, which like I said, is traditionally the first two years when you're sitting in lecture drinking from that fire hose. We want to talk about one of the classic issues we think of with ADHD, and that deals with issues with attentiveness, distractibility, and impulsivity. And we want to look at what that looks like while you're trying to learn from lecture. So we're going to talk about some of the pitfalls that that the med student with that ADHD brain, how the attentiveness, the distractibility, the impulsivity, how that might manifest in that classroom learning environment. We're going to start off talking about what that looks like in, in a real physical classroom, and then we'll switch it over and talk about some of the things you might see learning on demand, learning remotely, all that stuff. So, Mike, what's one of the first things you think about when it comes to just that ADHD brain in the classroom? What, what do you think a problem that might present itself would look like? So I think one of the big problems is, first of all, you're walking into a room. You know, every med school is different, but anywhere between 50 and 400 students all in the same room. My class was uh, 180, 200 students. And so you're sitting in a room, you know, with one professor and then 200 people. Everybody in there has a computer. Most of them are open. Everybody has a phone. And so someone that gets distracted easily. Yeah, it's, 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 it's a recipe that is distracting in and of itself, right? Just the idea of, I can't imagine like going to a movie theater, right? Going to a movie with one person down in the left-hand corner with the computer screen open. That's just, that is by definition distracting. If you're sitting in the middle or the back of a giant auditorium, you've got a sea of computer screens open in front of you. You've got people moving around and fidgeting. You've got people 
communicating with each other. It, I mean, it just sounds like a like a, a real nightmare for uh, anybody to exhibit sustained focus, right? And you add in the ADHD cocktail, this is just not, it's already a bad setup, right? Right, and you're not at a movie that you've wanted to see for a while. You're sitting in hour six of biochem lecture, which is, you know, one of the most boring things <laughs> in the entire world. And so your your brain is looking for anything else to focus on besides what you're there to do. <laughs> it's pain, painfully, that sounds painfully true. So what, so what are some, give us some context here. What are some ways that you experience some distractibility in this kind of environment? Like give us some, some real world samples here. So our school, the first week you're, you go, you meet everybody, you start making friends. And so then the beginning of the second week, first of all, you pick your seat for the rest of the year. And so of course you're going to pick your seat around your friends, around the people you've met for the past week. And so right away you're sitting surrounded, you know, on eight different sides by the people you, you know, want to hang out with and your friends. And then, you know, you're watching what they're doing, if they're distracted, if they're, you know, shopping for something. And then you have literally a hundred laptop screens in front of you and you can see what everybody's doing. And so it's flashing, it's lights, people are getting up, moving around, people are talking, you know, it's, it's impossible to focus on the one. You, you talk, Mike, you were telling me, so it's hard to focus on what, like the, the, the biochem slide that's up on screen, right? And then what's being right. said about it in depth and what's being connected. And is the person actually reading from the slide? Are they telling an anecdote? Are they off topic? Are they on topic? But you were telling me something about somebody walking by and something in their pocket distracted you or something. Yeah, just just sitting there and you're trying to focus on on one thing. And so, you know, I would have times where somebody would walk by and I, they'd have coins in their pocket. And so instead of focusing on a, whatever lecture, I would count the times the coins would jingle in their pocket. And so, you you know, you watch them walk all the way out. And then sure enough, five minutes later, they're going to come right back through and, you know, you're going to do it again. So you're, you're missing, you know, time focusing on something stupid, but that's what your mind, like, and that's what your brain just focuses and gravitates towards. It's not a choice, right? You are just, it's like, that is the shiny object. This is auditory in this sense, right? And you are derailed from being connected to what's being discussed to following this, the, the change clinking in the guy's pocket as he walks out, right? Right. And that, I mean, that was probably one of the, the most vanilla options. I mean, you're watching <laughs> what people are shopping for and, you know, you're, you're listening to people make dinner plans and what they did last night. And, you know, you've got your phone. And so people are texting you and you're getting, you know, messages and, you know, so any of those things stop the process immediately. And what happens So Okay. So you're in lecture, you're in the third hour of lecture, you're on some biochem thing. You're, let's say you're 20 minutes in and the change guy derails you and then you're watching him go down the bottom to the bottom right exit and then you see somebody watching like netflix or something and you're like judging them for whatever terrible show they're watching that's what i'd be doing like why are you watching that of all things anyway and now you're now you're distracted you're you're now disconnected from the lecture you're disconnected you're lost you've now fallen off the wagon what what what, where does that put you 20 minutes in you've got 25 minutes left 45 35 minutes left what what happens? For a while, you can try and get back on the wagon or the train. You know, it's it's moving. It starts at the start, the top of the hour, 
It goes for an hour and then it stops. The professor isn't stopping. They're, they've got the information to get through. They know their, their slides take an hour to get through and they're going to finish. They don't care that you, you know, aren't paying attention. They don't care that you've fallen off. They keep going. And so then you, you fight to get back on. You, oh, you like slip, flip through three pages of slides and you catch back up. Or, you know, you're on hour three and you're tired and you missed 20 minutes or you missed the rest of the whole thing because you're watching whatever Netflix show, even though you don't care. And so then you miss the entire lecture or you just say, I don't know where I, I don't know what she's talking about. I don't know what's going on. And you're on, you know, you just wait till the lecture is over and then you can restart the next hour. And so any of those things can happen. Yeah. So the, the, the way I describe it, I use like the, this train metaphor for some reason, but the idea is like, it, it, the med student with ADHD is basically clinging onto the back of that train. They're not like in the comfy seats. I, I've never ridden a train in my life. I don't know where this comes from, but you know, like they're holding on at the back end of the train because that is, you are holding on as that student with, with, with ADHD in lectures. Is that, is that a fair statement? Yeah. Like you're just like, I know I've got to hold on. I'm here. I've got to hold on. I know I'm going to fall off at some point, but I've got to hold on as long as I can. Is that a fair starting point with this, this convoluted metaphor? Well, yeah, you're, you're fighting to stay on the train as long as possible. So you don't have to walk to the end or, you know, it's not as hard to get to the end. So yes, you're trying to, you know, fight to the end. Right. What's going to happen is you're going to fall off. You're going to see the kid with the change in the pocket. You're going to see the person shopping down here. You're going to see somebody watching something stupid on Netflix and you've fallen off. And then you pick yourself up. You, you've fallen off the train. You're staying on the railroad tracks. I feel like the majority of what my students have told me over the years is they can just stand there sort of forlornly watching the train disappear down the tracks, right? Now, maybe you sprint and catch back up to the train. That's where you say you, you jump ahead, you fight to get back on board. But that's that. I think it's like a losing game. It doesn't happen a lot. Uh, I think mostly you're just standing there watching it go. Then, yeah, you trudge down the tracks because you're just you're stuck there and, and you wait to get back and catch it at the station 30 minutes later. And that means you've just lost 30 minutes. So that that's kind of the... The, the metaphor I use, what can you, where, where, where do you go from there? More realistically, you've fallen off the train. You're looking at a rock that is shiny and then you look up and the train's nowhere to be found. And so, you know, you don't even notice it's leaving. It's already gone by the time you notice that it's gone. Yeah. And that makes it right harder to get back on then, right? Because you have been distracted by the secondary thing. Yeah. So, I mean, this is, a, and this is a big problem. So now you've spent four hours, six hours, however however many lectures you have that day, falling off the train, losing giant chunks of it. Uh, how does that make you feel then? So you've now, you've sat through lecture and, you know, you're coming to the, at the end of that one hour or at the end of say four or six hours, however long your school's set up for. H- how are we feeling? How are we feeling? Well, there's a couple of things. One, you're, you feel guilty because you just wasted a whole day you know you're going to have to get the information somehow. And so you know how hard it is to be able to catch up. You're tired because you've been fighting to pay attention for six or eight hours. You know, you're you're angry and exhausted because everybody else is now, they just spent the same time you did, but now they get to go to dinner. They get to go out and hang out with their friends. You know, they get to go and, and ha- take a break, relax. Whereas you're trying to catch up like you're trying to finish that whole eight hours and you're not even close you got to make it up right so my students will often say yeah they get to the end of the day 
They feel like they've gotten very little out of the lecture experience. You don't have to have ADHD to experience this. But a lot of our students that, that do have ADHD are going to say something like this. You sit through there. It's miserable. It's 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 hard work. Nobody wants... I, I don't want to sit through a series of movies that I like for four to six hours. I don't want to sit down and watch several Marvel movies. I don't want to sit down and watch the first two extended editions of The Lord of the Rings back to back. I don't want to do that, much less something like this. But the stakes are so high and you're there for a purpose. So, you know, they're, they're trying to get the most out of it. They're grinding through it. They're falling off the train. They're giant gaps. They get home at the end of the day or they're walking out of class. They're angry. They're frustrated. They're exhausted. And they get home. They sit down to study and they feel like they're starting from scratch. Now, Mike, does that speak to your experience in some some capacity? Yeah, I mean that that's probably a good day if you're just starting at zero. But realistically, you're you're starting from the negatives because you're already you've already expended so much energy yeah. to then have to you know either listen to the lectures again or you're having to like go through the notes without without the lectures or I mean you're you're just behind already after you've just spent eight hours doing you know quote unquote what you're supposed to do and go to lecture and sit there and the end lecture. I think, I think that's a really good point. I think maybe it's hard to appreciate, like imagine like a little video game with a, like an energy bar, right? You've got like a hundred energy cubes. And the fact of the matter is you've spent a large percentage over half, maybe more of those energy cubes. Well, number one, just your own energy, your, your, your mental focus, whatever bandwidth you have, you've already run, maybe run that thing dry. And also time, there's only so much time in the day and you've spent a third of the day already, right? So you now have depleted energy stores and less time to make something of this material. And it's, it just sounds soul crushing, honestly. So what, I mean, is that, is that sort of a way to sort of re like summarize what you're talking about, Mike? Right. Yeah. I mean, you're just, you're way behind everybody else on an already difficult thing. So you're all so you're always behind. You must always feel behind in, in this model because you're punting a huge, highly productive part of the learning circuit, right? Well, and you're you're spending the time when you're most effective early in the day before you get tired. You're spending it on the least effective thing you can do by sitting in class. Might not be able to you know get the information in. And you also mentioned guilt. I think guilt is a really powerful thing to talk about here, too, because you're saying you feel guilty walking out. Can you unpack that a little bit? Well, you know, you have to, you know, you have to get the information, but you just you spent eight hours. And so you're you're trying to focus. You get distracted. You try to focus again. You try to get distracted. And so as it you know snowballs down the hill, then you're like, I just wasted a whole day. And so then you're feeling guilty because you weren't productive. You didn't accomplish anything but you just wasted all this time and so it's almost worse than you know worse than going out and walking your dog or going to the gym or anything like that because you're trying you're actually trying to put in the effort but it's it's actually working against you so i i just think this idea of the guilt is an important thing to put out there because it's like oh I, i'm supposed to be doing this and i think people i think a lot of the like, like professors and, and resource people inadvertently, maybe inadvertently, put guilt on the learner for like, well, you're not, you're not working hard enough. You don't want this bad, badly enough and, and all that stuff. So I, I think that that's a big problem with it. So, but th this is like, I think this so is a common problem with our, our med students with ADHD. Now, what about remote based learning? So this is watching lectures on demand, 
watching lectures live stream remotely. Obviously, with COVID, this became more popular. It was already a thing that existed, though. And we've seen a shift over the last 10 years toward more students choosing to learn on demand or choosing to learn to watch via live stream or whatever the school has available. I want to say in the old days, there were more like technology, logistical concerns. Like what if the recording didn't work? What if it doesn't get uploaded for four hours or 10 hours? And, and those things might still happen. So every school has got its own problems, right? So th- those are considerations. Um, I know, Mike, like after you and I worked uh, initially way back when you did your first year, you failed, you worked with me, you went back and there's not a single right answer here, right? Some people, it's better for them to go to live lectures. Some people, it's better to, to work remotely. Uh, you did both because when you repeated your first year, didn't you do more sort of like an on-demand style? Like you you watch lecture from home. Is that, do I have that right? Yeah. So I, again, I couldn't stay at home because I would get distracted. So I had a room at the school where I would sit by myself in a conference room and would listen to lectures as they came up. But at our school, they would it was just audio, uh, no video, and so you would uh, have to have to download them when they came up. But they didn't download them every hour as it was live. So you were again, you were four to eight hours behind once they finally uploaded the stuff to listen to it. So you would kind of be a day behind, you know, doing it. But it was much more efficient and effective because there was less distraction in the room by myself. Yeah, you had to do some cost benefit analysis, right? Like, what what's the right trade off for these things? And for you, yeah, it was, it was definitely not being in that crowded auditorium. But I think there's pluses and minuses to for everybody doing this. Now, look, during COVID, during maybe the way your school set up, perhaps it's not a choice. Perhaps you have to be remote. Perhaps your school requires you to be there live in person. But let's let's talk about this as if it's a choice. There are pluses and minuses, just like Mike was talking about pluses and minuses for him, right? What are some of the minuses of choosing or being forced to to, to watch lectures at home, either on demand or live stream? Well, I mean, number one, you're at your house. If you're watching, if you are choosing to watch from your house. Mike, you said you couldn't do it from your house. Why? You know, I even had a room that was just for studying. I had a desk, a computer, but I would look around and see stuff that I need to do. I would see stuff I need to clean. I have to mow the grass. I'd want to trim the trees. I'd want to take my dog for a walk. I'd want to fix something to eat. And so it takes the, it takes other people being around out of it, which is good, but also it's bad because no one can see that you just wasted four hours cleaning your house when you should have been studying or you went outside that grass is never more appealing to be mowed or reorganize the closet or fix that toilet. Those are never more appealing than when, as opposed to like, oh, let me watch this fourth hour of biochem. So it does make those things look more appealing. And I think that just with the ADHD brain, that the, the, this opens up other, other pitfalls, right? The ability to stay on task, the ability to get distracted, the, the impulsivity of decision making. You might say, I'm going to sit here and watch these two lectures, but impulsively get up and go start trimming the tree <laughs> or what is that is that fair is that a fair thing to say yeah and also there's no one saying oh it's eight o'clock the lecture starts right now so because you have it recorded you can listen to it at any time but you have to listen to it and you have to make yourself sit down and so the self-accountability which is also a problem becomes much more of a problem when there's no one forcing the lecture and no one's scheduling it for you right and so you're you know you can listen to it at 2 a.m if you want but 
you have to do it. But what happened? So let's say that lecture went live at, at noon, right? And then you don't watch it till 2 a.m. What happened in those intervening 14 hours? Was that a good use of the of the of that time, or was it a wasteful use? And the way that these things tend to add up with our ADHD brains is a lot of it is just junk food time. Let me flip that back to you. Is that a fair way to think of it? Yeah, I mean, junk food time and also very literally junk food food. I mean, you're sitting at home, you're stressed, you have all the food that you've gone to the store and bought, you're stressed, so you eat more. And so it's just, it affects everything you do because you'd rather do literally anything else besides sit down and lecture, let alone sit down and study what you've just listened to at lecture. Yeah. Like sitting there and listening to lecture is probably the easiest part of the whole thing. Should, right, should be. If, if our learning is being, like, putting forth the right kind of effort and all this stuff, right? Um, you know, with workflow and prioritization are our key weaknesses with ADHD. When you are left alone, as you're describing, you're just alone in the wilderness. And this, this idea of being able to build workflow and, and to, and to ma- manage and maintain prioritization, these things are going to get overloaded and fail first with the ADHD brain. So you can see all, all these pitfalls from like just being like, hey, it's, we have to go study from home. And that's not even counting in things like what if you have family there? What if you have kids? What if you live with other family members or, or roommates that might not be on the same schedule? I mean, there's so many potential built-in distractions. And I'm not saying that you can't do it. You can't. But we need external locus of control type things. We need external rules and tools to help manage all this stuff. We can't solve all that in this conversation. I think that we have to start by acknowledging these problems. Now, Mike, what were some of the what are some of the benefits from on-demand remote learning? We just talked about all the horrible things to it. What are some of the good things about learning remotely, especially with your ADHD brain? Yeah, I mean, so you have the the freedom to go through things when you're most I would get up first thing in the morning and start listening to lectures and studying earlier versus later. Some people, you know, wouldn't get up until noon. They wouldn't get started until the afternoon. And then they would go till one, two in the morning because that was when they were most efficient with their studying. So so you're saying you were able to optimize it to your brain's best time to learn. Right. And so when when you're most efficient and you can pick whether, okay, or am I going to study first thing in the morning? And then am I going to listen to the lectures in the afternoon when I'm a little bit more tired, but you can still make it through? Or do you have to do the lectures first thing in the morning before you get tired and, and be able to go through it that way? So yep. there's a, there's the freedom is a, a positive and a minus. It's a great thing if you can make yourself do the things at the right times. But if you can't make yourself do them, then it's the worst. Well, and I guess the individual room, just less distractions. But you also had acquired some skills from from me that also probably helped with finding structure, finding framework and all that jazz. But we we'll, and we'll, we'll sort of talk about that when we get to solutions. I guess a plus minus could be the ability to pause, the ability to uh, go faster, the ability to rewind. Sure. Those could I think those are probably double edged swords. Yeah, and it's, it's different for everybody. So, you know, I found that the fat if I had it sped up a little bit more, then you don't have the time for your mind to wander as much. You're trying to, because it's going faster, you have to focus and you have to catch it before you miss it. But if you do miss something, then you're, the train's going faster and you are even further away. Then it's catching it in time to then back it up, start, you know, where you missed it and then continue forth instead of having to, you know, 
having to wait till the next lecture even starts to catch back up. And so it, it could provides more control. So it's right. So, so can you, can you use that to get back on the train or are you just lost off the train uh, altogether? Yeah. I mean, is, are people going to rewatch lecture because it's on demand or are they going to let it go like go fast and then just check it off the box? Like I listened to it, but did you really, it all does come down to that self-awareness. And I think oftentimes adding proper study tools does help with this. But again, I think there's pluses and minuses to all these things. And I think just keeping it organized, keeping yourself on time, these are just challenges whenever it's untethered from the real world. I've got to be there in person at this time. Before we finish this up, let's think a little bit about solutions. What kind of solutions are out there, right? I think learning at this level, learning when you're dealing with an especially dense construct like med school, drinking from the fire hose so much, so fast, responsible for all of it. I think learning has to start with structure and organization. That means you, the learner, understanding the organizational hierarchy, the skeletal structure underneath all the details. I think that's where learning has to start. I think if you are unable to find that structure consciously or subconsciously on the front burner or the back burner, that's where things will fall apart first and fast. If you have ADHD, you have weaknesses in executive functioning, and I think this is a subset of that executive functioning. I think a lot of our students that will collapse on them because they're what we call top-down learners. You need to find structure first. A lot of these high-achieving med students, the ones that can sit there and soak it up with good attention, good focus, good executive functioning, they're bottom-up learners. They can just take all those details and jam them into their brains. And I think of like these elves in the back of the brain subconsciously building the, the, the closet the organizational hierarchy. A lot of our med students with ADHD do not have that. So I think the solution in some capacity, the simple answer is focus on finding the organizational hierarchy, the the closet, the shelves in the closet, the labels on the shelves in the closet. Focus on finding that first, either before lecture, before going in, without even worrying about the details or during lecture and come out of lecture with the structure discover. Again, I, this is a very, this can get super complex on how to do this, but I mean, it's a podcast, right? What are we going to say? But this is definitely a key. Now, Mike, because this is what we did with you. We taught you how to do this. Do you agree from your perspective as a, you know, a once struggling med student who learned how to thrive and get his way through and now, now a physician, does that resonate with you? What I'm saying about this whole idea about how learning has to start with finding that structure and that starts in lecture? Yeah, because you're getting the lectures ahead of time. And so you you know what's going to happen. You know the information that's going to be given to you. And so if you know the basically the path that the train's going to take, you know that it's going to it may loop back around and you can get back on it much quicker. So you're saying like if you know it's topics A, B, C, and D and you get lost in the middle of B, you know you can just well I I've got topic C coming up here eventually. So then you just wait until C rolls around and then you're on. That's getting, you're getting back to that train station faster. Is that sort of what you're saying within this convoluted train metaphor we're using? Right. So, I mean, you can, you can preview through the lectures and you know the structure. And so once you know the structure of it, you can listen to one, you know, it's coming. And so it's much easier to listen for the things that are coming and you know, the information is coming. So you're already familiar with it. You know, it's coming and they're going to, they're going to talk about whatever thing it is. And so it's much easier to stay engaged because you know it, you know what they're going to talk about. You, you have basically a cheat sheet of the lecture before you even get into it. If, Mike, if we focus only on structure, not on details, right? Because the details are what you get tested on. 
and you know this is you've told me this right. like you're getting tested on like fifth sixth seventh layer details so that's what you're going to obsess over so this is kind of counterintuitive what we're proposing don't worry about those details those fifth sixth seventh layer details yet instead focus on structure now what i recommend is that you physically delineate it physically write it out or physically mark it on the document so that you're not holding it internally and implicitly in your head but that you physically have something written out now look the complex answer is we teach this in our stat med study skills class right that's what mike did years ago to sort of teach him how to do this stuff but i have given this advice to other students i've met at conferences or who called me i'm happy to say like yeah just do this and if you can do it on your own, more power to you, right? But if there, there are complex ways to learn this complex skill. But again, I think that learning does have to start with structure. That's, I think that's the main thing. And, and that we can expect structure to crumble and collapse on the student, the med student with ADHD first. Therefore, we want to sort of help put this out there just so people are aware, oh, this is a pattern. It's not just that you're inattentive and distracted. Yes, those, are, those, those contribute. But it's where the struggle, the so the fire hose is so fast, so furious, or so much you're accountable for all the density of it. That's where it collapses on people. And then you come out of lecture, tired, exhausted, ready to feel like you're starting from scratch, or as Mike said, starting from below scratch, because you're exhausted. And Mike, is it originally when before we sort of had this sort of rebuild with you, doesn't it make more sense that if I, if I were in trouble, I'm like, I'm gonna get tested on the details. I've got to learn these details. Instinctually, you gravitate to that, right? Yeah, but you can't see the details. You can't, you don't even know the structure of the details. Right. They're all just jammed in there. That's what I'm saying. Like, can't encode a vast array of details without hierarchy and organization and structure. You can try. You can jam that stuff in there, but it's not going to be permanent. It's not going to be applicable. It's not going to be retrievable. You're not going to be able to apply it to any kind of contextualized work situation. And that's what, what I think with the ADHD brain, the instinct is jam it all in there and try to sort it out later. What we know is that's not going to work at this level because there's just so much information. And I think that that is one of the big pitfalls for the ADHD learner at, at a lecture-based learning model is they're just going to try to jam those details in and it's just making everything harder downstream. Fair? And, it, and it's interesting because you can't, you can't tell while you're in school. Like You can't tell what other people are doing and why it works. But this is what the people that do outlines are doing. They're, they're making a structure out of the lecture. And the people that are concept mapping and the people that are doing, you know, the, the Roman rooms and the different things, they're, they're building a structure for themselves off of the lecture slides and the information. And so, but, and you don't know what they're doing. You're watching them and you, you're trying to figure out what they're doing and how it works and how it works for them. But you have, you have to build a structure for yourself to then be able to go through the information. Right. You have to build it yourself and you have to build it the way your brain works. So that, that way you can see that the late, like all the questions are coming from the fifth and sixth layers of the structure. And so then you can go to that, you can go to those layers and you can know that information. You can know the comparisons between one thing versus the other, because the questions are coming from that layer. Yeah. Yeah. And, and again, I think what, one of the key things that Mike was saying there is, Seeking and finding the structure yourself is an act of active learning. Seeking and finding demands inquiry. Like, let me, it's a puzzle for me to solve. It's a way for me to learn. And, and this is what we want to do. It will engage you and it'll make, it'll make you active. People say like, I want to use active study methods. Well, it's just, it's just such an abstraction uh, until you actually contextualize it. 
within the type of learning arena you're in and then how do you do it. And one thing you can do if you're sort of getting wiped out by lecture, if you feel like it's just being distracted and inattentive and all that jazz, the solution is to seek and find structure. It gives you something to hold on to. It is the key ingredient that has to be discovered first, and that'll lead to better things. So that'll wrap up this phase of this conversation. We'll be back talking about another way ADHD will impact you while you're in the classroom didactic learning years. Thanks for listening. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of the StatMed podcast. In future episodes, Ryan and Mike will continue their conversation about ADHD and med school. If you like the show, be sure to rate it on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. And be sure to subscribe so you don't miss future episodes. You can find more test-taking and studying strategies specifically designed for med students and physicians over at our blog on statmedlearning.com. Thanks for listening.